Father, I can't think of another thing that incites more confidence in the soul of the believer in Jesus Christ than to know that you are never changing and that your promises are eternal and forever true. God, forgive us for listening to our past, the things that the enemy wants to use to drag us down, the lies he tells about you, about life. Forgive us for listening. Lord, open our ears to receive your truth, the declarations of who you are in accordance with your good and perfect word as you unfold it for us today. And so, Lord, as we humble ourselves before you right now, as we kneel before you, we're asking, God, that you would do a mighty work in the heart of each one that is here. We're asking, Father, that you would cause your church to lean into you above all things. Speak through your word, we pray now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Kids, I'll see you later. Enjoy your time. Hey, why don't you turn to Isaiah chapter 43, and uh, we're going to spend time in the first two and a half verses of this magnificent recording of the words of God through the prophet Isaiah, but Isaiah 43. So, um, all right, all right, I want you to think, worst nightmare you've ever had, okay? What's your worst nightmare? Worst nightmare you've ever had. All right, is it in your head? Okay, I've had a few myself. I've had dreams of wolves chasing me to the front door of the house I lived in to get there just as they meet me. The door, I find the door locked, can't get in. I've had dreams of fighting bears. I've had dreams of nightmares of falling off cliffs and living. I suppose that's not really a nightmare because I lived. It was, I was falling off a cliff. I've had nightmares where I was tied up and on a conveyor belt being rolled into hell. I've had nightmares where God himself in my nightmare has condemned me to death. That's not the worst one yet. And you're like, how can it be worse than that? This is how it can be worse than that. Like two months ago, I had a nightmare. I'm standing on the cliffs of Moore in Ireland. And I'm looking out, and it's a very ominous scene. The, the, the sea is raging. It's dark. Lightning is flashing in the sky. And I see a thousand black pearls rolling, sailing toward me. You know what the black pearl is? Pirates of the Caribbean, that's right. All right, a thousand are coming toward the Cliffs of Moore. And there's this guy, his name is Cole Lockman. Cole, if you ever hear this sermon, praise God. You had an influence into my life through a dream. He was on Caden's volleyball team. But he's standing next to me. I don't know why God chose him in this dream for me to have. He turns to me, I'm like, Cole, what is going on? He said... On each one of those black pearls that's coming toward you is every nightmare you have ever had. And it's coming for, they're coming for you right now. I'm like, how do you sleep after that one? Praise God today, and I did the moment I woke up, that it was nothing more than a dream and a nightmare. 
But here's what I'm learning throughout the course of life. Life oftentimes brings us what we would consider to be living nightmares, right? Well, the Word of God has something to say in regard to those types of things, but uh, I want to share with you the inspiration, a bit of the inspiration for today's sermon. Um, A couple of things that have happened, and uh, I'm seeing God's sovereignty over all of this. Twenty years ago, I moved here with Wendy, and I became an instant father of three boys. I know most of you know this story. And, uh, and as soon as we moved here, I don't know if it was the first night, second night, but I sat down with the three boys, our three oldest. Caden wasn't around yet. And I, I asked them, I said, what's your greatest fear? And every one of them, their answer was that I'd be left alone. Now, if you know their story, their father was a police officer that lost his life in the line of duty. And so you could understand how they would, they would, that would be one of their greatest fears. So guess what we memorized? Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That was the verse that we had, that we memorized together. Okay, so fast forward 19 years. 19 years, this past Friday, Wendy and I become official empty nesters because we take our youngest, we took him off to college. And when I was like, hey, God's sovereignty is just crazy and sometimes annoying because I agreed months ago that I would preach today. I didn't know, wasn't thinking that this was the sermon I was going to preach one day after we took our last to college. Drove away in tears. God's sovereignty is all over this. Caden, first verse he ever memorized was what? Joshua 1, 9. Hey, any one of you, when I say, what's the verse of the day, do you know what I'm talking about? You version app of the Bible, right? And if you have the notification on, you get a verse of the day. Now, I'm not suggesting you use that verse of the day as a source of, like, maybe spiritual inspiration, yes, but don't make it your daily devotion. You just wait on this thing to show up. But guess what showed up today? Joshua 1, 9. So, Clearly, the Lord wanted me to deliver this sermon today to you, and I'm calling it, it's been 20 years in the making, it's really, it's, it's my, what, if you were to say, Todd, give me the top four things you want your kids to know before they leave the house. They come from Isaiah 43, the first couple of verses. And your head is reeling with thinking, have I taught my sons everything that needs to be taught before they leave the house? Well, when God says go, Jasper referred to it last week, and we refer to it very often. Psalm 23 declares that the Lord is our shepherd. There's no reason to want. He has these really wonderful places he leads us through. He leads us through the paths of righteousness, and then he takes our toes right up to the edge of the valley of the shadow of death. And he grabs you by the hand and he says, all right, let's go. And you're looking at the valley of the shadow of death, which would probably look something like standing on the cliffs of Moore, seeing a thousand black pearls coming with all your nightmares saying, here we go. But if Jesus says, this is the way we're going, this is the way we're going to go. There's no option. No way out of this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, for the sake of imagery, here's what what I want you to think. All right? This comes from Isaiah 43. I want you to imagine right now, whichever one is more terrifying for you, your toes come up to the edge of a raging river. All right? 
And Jesus takes you by the hand, and he says, let's go. We need to make it across. You have no idea what's beneath you. He's just saying it's time to go. If that one is not terrifying enough for you, I want you to imagine, okay, this forest fire has just consumed 100,000 acres, and it's still burning and raging, and God says, takes you by the hand, says, okay, we need to get through there because on the other side is where I want us, where I want you to be. So right now, I want you to be thinking, which is more terrifying for you? And now I want you to take what is for you life's most terrifying moment. What is it for you? Maybe, maybe it's God is saying it's time to leave home. I can bear witness for Caden. It's a terrifying prospect for him, the thought of leaving home, and maybe we'll talk about that. I got his permission for why that is. But I understand why he's terrified. Maybe for you it is leaving home. When God said, you're going to move from Pennsylvania to Michigan, I'm like, that's Nineveh to me. Michigan is Nineveh. And here's why it's Nineveh. Because where I went to college, all I knew of Michigan were U of M fans. And I was supposing that's all Michigan has to offer are these U of M fans. And I'm like, I'm not going out there, God. So I jumped on a ship. I sailed halfway across the Atlantic. God threw me overboard. You know that's not true. But I ended up in Michigan. I say that in jest. Absolutely love living in Michigan. Maybe for you it's leaving home. Maybe he's calling you to college or the military or it's time. You are at a place where it's now time to step out of your parents' home and live on your own. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you are dealing with on the front end of the river of cancer that's flowing through your life. I know a number of you in here today are in the midst of a battle. I just learned, so is my mom. She has throat cancer. And this Thursday she begins seven to eight weeks of treatment, and it's pretty awful. Maybe you're walking through an unwanted divorce. Maybe your marriage isn't what you wanted it to be. Maybe parenting isn't what you expected it would be. Maybe you are watching your kids walk in a wayward way, living a prodigal life. What is your most terrifying river slash forest fire that God has brought you up to? What does it look like? Maybe you're not there, but Jesus promised us in John 16, you remember this. He says, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Maybe you're not there today, but the promise is, in this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. We know this for sure. God says, Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So maybe you could say this is, this is God's top four that he has given me to declare to you, all right? Top four reasons why we have nothing to fear, no matter the river, no matter the forest fire. Isaiah 43, let's read it together. Beginning at verse one, and we're only going through the first half of verse three. That's all we have time for. But spend time in Isaiah 43 this week, and you are going to absolutely love it. It will bring your heart to a place of peace. And verse 1 says this, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are 
mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It's kind of crazy, the connection. Once again, Jasper, this is pastor's choice. I had determined what I was preaching long before I knew what Jasper was preaching last week. Last week, I didn't know Jasper was preaching on Jonah until he actually stood up here on Sunday and he preached Jonah because he was gone, I was gone, all that. Anyhow, as I'm sitting there listening to it, I'm like, well, here's the connection. Jasper's preaching about Jonah fleeing and the Lord bringing consequences into his life to, to open his ears and his heart to receive the truth of what God had for him. So he repents, and he's ready to go. Today's sermon is, now you are facing your Nineveh experience, the rivers, the fires, and now it's time to go. You have determined with God, I understand completely, God, you are sovereignly in control, and this is where you have for me to go. You are settled in this. You know, hey, God is saying it's time to go, so here we go. You accept that his determined plan is through the river. Now, when you look at Isaiah 43, you, he said it begins with but now. So you have to look at the last few verses, and we're only gonna, just going to breeze through it. What God says, but now, he's referring back to, listen, Israel, my people, you are deaf and you are dumb. You are not listening to what I have had to say to you. Over and over and over again, you have rejected me and my truth to pursue your own things, to satisfy your own self, and I have brought discipline to bear into your life because I want you to listen to me. I want your hearts to be open to receive what I have for you. Open your eyes, open your heart, come to a place of repentance before me, he says. When you read verses 22 to 25 in chapter 42, you see that God brought significant discipline, pain, fearful situations into the lives of Israel to get their attention because he wanted them to repent. Remember last year, or last week, Jasper referred to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Sometimes we have to come to the place with the Lord where our flesh is destroyed so that our souls might be saved. The destruction of the flesh makes an opportunity for, the, for God to pour his truth into your now open ears to hear and receive what he has for you. Destruction of the flesh. In Isaiah 43, the first two words of the chapter are, but now. So here's a big question for you. What is God using in your life to get your attention? Who in your life is God using right now to get your attention? He brought some awful things to Israel, imprisonment, looting, sickness, the list goes on and on. What is he using in your life right now to get your attention? Because the promise is true. Look at, verse two, look at verse 2. Challenges will come. He wants you to be ready for the rivers and the forest fires that he is about to usher you through. Verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters and through the rivers, when you walk through the fires, but now, 
knowing that these things are coming. But now, God wants His promises to sink deep into your heart. Your head is willing to receive the truth, but your heart doesn't respond the same way, does it? It's like, all right, I know. I know God is going to usher me through this. I know it's going to be scary. I know the truth here. He says that he will be with me. He will protect me. He will not let these wa- uh, the waters overwhelm me. The fire will not burn me or consume me. I know that. I believe that. But from like here to here, there are, the response is not the same, is it? It's not the same. Caden, off to college, Remember having one of our last discussions? He's, I know the truth, but from here to here says differently. My heart doesn't receive what my head knows. The truth is, they're coming. When they come, God has these promises we can remember for the journey. So here we go. Promises we can remember for the journey. Challenges will come, but there is no reason to fear. All right? No reason to fear. Here's the first one. You have no reason to fear. Why? Because God, because you belong to God. Look at verse 1. But now, but now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. What's it like to belong to something? What's it like to belong? I've gone home, I was just a couple of weeks ago, I was home to Chambersburg, and you know what? While I live here, that's still first 32 years of my life. I belong there. That's my home where I grew up. I moved to West Michigan. It's home free now. I belong here. I belong to Summit Church. How magnificent that is to know that I belong. Maybe some of you are looking and you're saying, you know what, my, my home is not, it was not a safe place for me, and, and the thought of belonging to that brings fear and trepidation to me. Maybe you have been hurt by the church. And the church to you does not represent a safe place for you. I pray that Summit Church is not that. If it is, let us know. We would love to talk you through that. But here's what the Lord, this is what God says, the one who will never let you down, the one that's never going to fail you, the one that's never going to waste an opportunity to express his love and his mercy and his patience toward you. He says, I am the one that created you. I'm the one that created you. Psalm 139 says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. He determined that you would be exactly who you are, and he wants you above all things to see yourself before him, the one who created you. He is also, verse 1, he is the one that formed you. He is the one that has taken his hands, he has taken his will, he has taken both the good and the bad things from your past, every right decision, every wrong decision, every path he has walked you down. He has used these to form you and to make you into what he wants you to be. You know Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, for those who love God, and we know this, 
He works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If he created you, you are his, and he has a magnificent purpose for you. For those he foreknew, he knew you. He also predestined or he determined that you would be conformed, you would be formed into the image of his son, Jesus. This is the one that's declaring to you, you belong to me. You are mine. Now, I believe there are three different kinds of people that are sitting in the service today. You need to accept this truth, all right? You either belong to God or you don't. And so there, there are three different kinds of people. There are those right now that have bent the knee in, dis, in submission to the Creator God, the one who created you, and you are, you are more than good with Him, belonging to Him. Praise God for that. You understand, according to verse 1, that He is your redemption He is the one that through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin and made a way for you to come into relationship with your creator. He has redeemed you. He has put you in right standing before your creator, God. You understand and you belong to it and you know, and you know, you accept the truth. All right, he's the one that's walked me to the edge of this river. And I know I can trust in him no matter how frightening it is, okay? You accept and so you belong. There are some right now, there are some that bristle at this truth. You haven't, you bent the knee, but you still bristle at it. At it. I want to be saved, but I want to have a say into how it goes after I'm saved. All right, God, I recognize you are the creator God. I recognize you formed me. I understand that you are sovereign over all things, and you have these things that you want me to walk through. I get that. But I want to have a say in how things go when we step into the water. And then there are some that completely reject the truth, the thought that I would belong to anything. I am my own. I do not belong to him. I will not belong to him. Everything I've seen him done has been nothing but hardship and pain. I refuse to belong to him. Well, here's my hope and prayer for you. That you come to a place, you understand that the hardship of life is driving you to the feet of Jesus. Because one day there is an overwhelming coming. Not just the hardship of this life, but eternal separation from the one who created you, and he desperately wants you to open your ears and open your heart to receive him and belong to him and place your trust in him. He calls you by name. He calls you by name. And he says, you are mine. I can't think of a more peace-generating truth than that, than to hear God say to you, fill in your name, you are mine. You belong to God. 
That's where you can find peace. That's why there's no reason to fear. Here's another one. Actually, I have two that we're going to throw together because um, verse 2 declares both of these. So here's the second one. Challenges are going to come, but there's no reason to fear, and this is why. Because God is your protector. He is your protection. And because God is always with you. When you come to Him, He is, makes His promise true. It is always fulfilled. He will never leave you or forsake you. He remains with you, and the one that remains with you sees you through the waters and sees you through the fires and reigns true to His promise. He is your protector, and He is always with you. Look at verse 2 again. When you pass through the waters, He says, I will be with you. It's a promise. He is there. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you read that, read that verse again. I had, I've had people this past week, I had read that. Reading verse 2, what are the words that jump out at you? Okay, when? I, I know some of you right now, you're like overwhelmed, burned, consumed. I know these are words that jump out at you because that's what life has taught you. These are the things that are going to come for me. Being overwhelmed, being burned by the fire, being consumed. These are the things that drive fear. Why does God permit fear to come into our lives? I mean, for real. I know. Like, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, I, my head knows, but my but right here still fears. What would you do without fear? What if nothing fearful ever came into your life? The truth is, you wouldn't need the one that created you, the one that's forming you, the one that's saving you, the one that promises to be with you. You wouldn't need him if fear didn't come. So I praise God for these fearful moments. What does it mean to be truly overwhelmed? Think about it. He makes this promise, I'm with you, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to see you through the waters which means he's not going to permit you to be overwhelmed. He's not going to let the fires consume you. So what does that mean? What does ultimately it mean? You are in relationship with him. The ultimate place of being consumed is you come to a place where you, you finally say, I reject you, God. Your way is not what I want. I renounce you. I refuse to believe in you because your way is hard. Then the Lord turns you over to being consumed, to being swept away, to being burned up because you have determined I am rejecting him. I refuse to belong to him. That's what consumed means. But when you come into relationship with him and you accept who he is in your life, that he is your protector, that you are his, you accept that truth, he may take you into the swirling waters. You might get ankle deep. The enemy might start tempting you with, with the challenges of the world and, and swirling around your feet that drives you to your knees. Before you know it, you're up to your nose, you're up to your forehead, but he makes this promise. He will never let you be consumed by the things that come into your life. He doesn't. He won't. Head knows this truth, but heart won't feel it. This, I want to I be clear about something. When those moments come, understand this. It is not a matter of faith. It's not a battle with your faith. All right? Listen to Father Abraham, who is the father of all of Israel. 
In Romans chapter 4, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations because that's what God promised him. You will be the father of many nations. As he had told him, so shall your offspring be. And in verse 19, he says this, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, 100 years old, and the barrenness of his wife, she couldn't have any kids, Sarah. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Nothing. Nothing. But he grew strong in faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is faith. So when you are up to your nose in the swirling waters of that dangerous river, when you're up to your nose, and you're scared to death, that doesn't mean that you're throwing your faith away. That doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Because your head knows, I can trust in the promises of God. He has brought me into everlasting and eternal relationship with Him. He has good for me. I know this because I trust in what He says, the promises of God. And what He's trying to do in those fearful moments is take what you know in your head and let it sink into your heart so that what happens up here, the confidence you have here is expressed here. Do not think I'm losing my faith because you are not. When you believe the truth, the truth is what you believe. When you feel afraid, you feel fear. God is taking faith and he's proving to you, you can trust me. Yeah, I know you know, but I want you to trust me now. So here we go. He promises to protect and he promises to always remain with us. He is your God if you have bowed the knee to him and received him. Here's a fourth one. Promises to remember for the journey. Fourth one that I would want anyone to know before they leave the house. Because God is your salvation. Verse 3, the beginning of verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. I am your Savior. He says, I am, look it, he is your savior. He didn't just save you, all right? We think in terms of, all right, I submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. I am now an everlasting, meaningful relationship with my creator. I know that. He saved me. Yes, but he is the God who continues to save you, always saving you. He is your Savior. So when he walks you to the edge of the river, when he walks you to the edge of the forest fire, and he takes you in, here's what we know, that we don't know what is downriver. Here's what we know. We don't know how quick and how deep the water gets. Here's what we don't know. We don't know how fast the current is that will be swirling down at our feet. We don't know where the dangers lie. We have no idea. God, when you declare him to be Lord of your life, 
is the one that knows exactly where you need to step, when you need to step, the right way for you to go. He takes you by the hand. He makes his promise to never leave you or forsake you. He is the one that says, I am the way through the river. I am the way through the fire. I am the truth. Listen to the words I say to you. Don't listen to your fear. Don't listen to the past and whatever it may have declared to you that drives you to fear. I am the way. I am the truth. Listen to my truth. I am the life. I will see you through. You will live. He is your Savior always, not just at the moment of salvation, but He is always your Savior, no matter what life brings. You belong to God. That's what I want Caden to know. That's what I want Mitch Reed and Josh to know. You know, here's what's crazy. If you're a parent right now, here's what I challenge you. I pray to God that I have grown in my parenting over the years. I'm sure I didn't declare this to Mitch. He was the first one out of the house. I'm sure I didn't make sure Reed knew this as he was. I'm hoping that maybe Josh picked up on some things in number three, but over the course of 20 years worth of parenting, I'm praying to God that he has fashioned this word for Mitch Reed and Josh and Caden. So listen to these. God, you belong to God. You have no reason to fear. He is your protector. You have no reason to fear. He is always with you. You have no reason to fear. He is your salvation. You have no reason to fear. So now, what do we do with this? My my past tells me I have reason to fear. Well, here's why. Because things aren't going the way you want them to go. I can promise you this. They're going the way God wants them to go. Just hold on. Lean into him. Let God prove himself. So, hold on. And let God prove himself to you. That's where faith becomes real trust. That's where you go, I had an experience in uh, the Caribbean, which was a beautiful place to first do this, treading water at the bottom of a, of a rock that was probably 40 feet high, and I was treading water for like 45 minutes. If you've never treaded water in salt water, it's really easy. So it's nothing to be impressed over. It's just real, but, but I'm trying to determine, do I want to go up there? Do I actually want to go up there and jump off? Because here's what I know, once I actually developed enough courage, enough courage to go up there, I looked down and I can see the bottom of the water. I can see the bottom of the ocean. But the water's like 15 feet deep. I'm 40 feet high. I've watched others jump off time and time and time again, and they would get up, no broken legs, and they'd go up and do it again. So I'm standing there. I'm like, well, here we go. I went, and it was a riot. And guess what I did? I did it again, and I did it again. And you know what? You know what I learned? What I believed to be true, what I saw to be true, didn't start settling into my heart until I actually did it. God brings us to the rivers and he walks us through because he needs to have these things in our lives to train us just to trust in him. Trust in him. So when things get dicey, understand this, he's going to walk you through and you're going to look back and you're going to say, praise God, he proved himself. I had no reason to not trust in him. This is crucial. God's presence, 
his protection, and his salvation is yours because you belong to him. Because you belong to him. Maybe you're like, I really don't feel his presence. Maybe, you're, maybe you are. You're like, I, I just don't. I, I hear and I know, but I can't. I don't know that he's there. Well, listen to this, okay? Here's what I have learned, and I pray that my sons have as well, and I'm passing it along to you. While I believe, uh, while I believe in the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and I trust that that is true, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us we're not to neglect meeting together, and here's what I know to be true about that. His presence is with me through our church. His presence is with me as I interact with you. So, so peace-giving to know that I have others that are walking through similar stuff as me. There's a danger of isolationism. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, the one who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. If you don't have other people in your life, by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in you encouraging you as you walk through the waters, if you don't have that, you are isolating yourself and you are determining your own way, you break out against all sound judgment and you're gonna get swept away, you're gonna deny. And that's not what he wants for you. So as you think through, I'm going to wrap this up right now, as you think through life's raging rivers, its roaring fires, where is it you fall short in trusting that you are God's and believing that he remains with you in trusting that he is actually going to protect you or trusting him that he is actually going to save you? Forget what your experiences have taught you and lean into the spoken truth, the written truth, the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so, so very much for your declared truth. Lord, these promises that were true for Israel, praise, praise you, Lord, even as I think of verse 7. You make this declaration for us as well, your people. Lord, whoever in this sanctuary is right now challenged with trusting in you as they are facing hard things that they see in accordance with your sovereign plan that you've laid out for them I pray God that you would bring them an extra measure of peace that you would if, if they're struggling to lean into you that you would wrap your arms around them that you would draw them unto yourself that you would speak to them that you would make your truth real to them that you would open their hearts to receive who you are and what you have for them. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.